Welcome to Friendship with God. I'm David Cantor. Today we will hear part two of Isaiah chapter 40 from my father, Tom Cantor. Today's message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. You want to talk about an unreached people group? That's the Jewish people. They're an unreached people group. They're, they're, you wouldn't go to New Tribes Mission to reach that people group. You would go to Old Tribes Mission, 12 of them, <laughs> to reach that people group. But they're unreached. But you were out there. But the mighty God of Jacob, the stone of Israel, was walking with you, was, was giving you the words that you should speak, was helping you lock eyes with them, was giving you just the right words when you didn't know what to say. And that was the, the, why. Because he cares for his people. And he's so thrilled that someone would stand up and wouldn't be intimidated and wouldn't listen to the, well, you're just trying to come proselytize me and everything else like that. But you went. And God is so pleased with you. And you continued on. And that was a marvelous picture there. Now, when it speaks here, Isaiah chapter 40, it speaks about God. And it says... In verse 9, O Zion, that brings good news. Do you know, I want to ask you a question. Here's some news. You can be forgiven from all of your sins, whatever you've committed, past, present, and future. You can be adopted by God. You know the story of the prodigal son? It's not really a story of the prodigal son. It's the story of the prodigal son's father. He's the hero. He's out there on the hill looking for him to come. And he runs. He said, that's who God is to you. You have this message. That's who God is to you. Welcoming you. Killing the fatted lamb. And giving you an inheritance that eye has not seen and ear has not heard. And be a, child, a son of God. Give you the authority to be a son of God. That's your message. Are you happy with that message? Can you smile? <laughs> Can you look happy? Look happy for me. <laughs> That's a great message. And he says, to, he says to Zion and Jerusalem, he says, you bring good news. This is really great news. And he says to him, he says, don't keep it a secret. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. He says, get thee up onto a high mountain. That's so much, that's so often the, the hardest thing to do, the get thee part. You know, the go, just go. Just go with the good news. What am I going to say? God will show you. Who am I going to go to? God will lead you. But it, it, as we've seen, he's get thee up into a high mountain. Oh, Jerusalem, you bring good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. And you've got one message. You remember Pilate's message? Behold the man. And your message? Behold the God. Behold your God. The message is the Lord Jesus Christ who made this, this incredible sacrifice is God. That's the message. If you were to ask most Jews, and it wasn't my case, what exactly was it that happened when you were saved? And I will tell you, and many will tell you, when I said, Lord Jesus, when I recognized that he is God. That's the message here. So he says that, behold your God. If he's God, everything else falls into place. There are no problems if he's God that you can't understand. You know, we have a creation museum, and everybody comes with these, arguments. well, how could there be a virgin birth? And how could there be? So we said, you know what? We need to put... Uh, a, a, a plaque 
which we did, on the Creation Museum. And I said, with just two verses, and that answers every question. So the first verse is, in the beginning, God created a heaven and the earth, in Genesis 1.1. And the second verse from the same book says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? <laughs> is there anything too hard for the Lord? This is the Lord, behold your God, who died for you. Can he bring me to heaven? Is that too hard for him? And then he says in verse 10, he says, he has a strong hand. His, his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. That speaks about the strength of the Lord. But then notice it says in verse 11, he's going to feed his flock like a shepherd. That's gentle. And he says, he'll gather the lambs with his arm. So that'd be one arm. And he carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who's that? That's the vulnerable. That's the ones who are hurting. That's the ones who are sorrowful. That's the new converts. That's the new believers. He has a special love for the new believers. Uh, I want to tell you one thing. Many of you know this, but I'm just going to fill this in for you. There was in an apartment in Margate, Florida, a Jewish lady named Harriet. And this Jewish lady is 97 years old. She has terminal cancer tumor. She's in pain and takes morphine. And she had a caregiver, Hispanic caregiver named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is a devoted believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was, her heart was burdened for Elizabeth. But she, uh, sorry, for Harriet. But she said, I just need some Jewish-oriented gospel literature, some gospel literature that's oriented toward the Jews. And she was praying this prayer inside of her. Oh, God, where am I going to find this literature? And she, it, and she came to work to, to see Harriet that day. And the team had passed through that um, apartment building like locusts through a field. <laughs> And on every single door was, a, was the gospel packet with the star David and so forth. And so can you picture this now? Elizabeth is praying to God. Oh, God, where am I going to get? Where can I buy the Jewish material, the, the gospel material? And she comes up to the floor of Harriet and she just sees every single door has got one. And she goes and she opens it up and she, she walks inside and she takes a testimony book and she says to Harriet, can I read this to you? And she did, and at the end she said, would you also like to pray to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? And she did. Amen. Who is that? Then she went and she, she, she then took it and she went to another one that she was caring for, Tilly, also a Jewish lady, old, very vulnerable, very weak, not far from death. She read the same book to her, same question. She said, yes. I also want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he means when he says he'll feed his flock like a shepherd. He'll gather the lambs, the vulnerable, the sorrowful, the, the ones that are really hurting. Now, we would have never known about those two unless Elizabeth had called us and said, can I get some more materials? You know, that's the seed that you sowed. You didn't know. We didn't know. But God knew. You didn't know the prayer of Elizabeth. We didn't know the prayer of Elizabeth, but God heard it. You didn't know Harriet Stein was in one of those rooms. 
until he was in another building. But God knew. And as those two, and I'll tell you something interesting about Harriet Stein. She, she would cry out in pain before she was saved, just to cry out in pain. And after she was saved, her cry became, take me home. That's God. And all that is required is just to get thee, just go, get thee, I'll do it. I'll do the rest. I'll put my arms on your, or on your arms and your hands, my hands on your hands. I'll do it if you just go. You know, God, God, God has a hard time getting people. He's, he's, he's got some jobs and he, he seems to have a hard time to, to get people to come. And, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing because it says in the Bible that God has chosen the foolish things of the world. And he has chosen the base things of the world. You can confound the wise. And he's chosen the things that are not. Such a job posting God has. We're looking for a few, not, not like the Marines, we're looking for a few foolish base and things that are not. Anybody apply for this job? <laughs> and God says, that's what I need. I need willing hands. Who will go for me? Isaiah heard it in chapter 6. And Isaiah said, I don't know if you can use a person with unclean lips, but I'll just stand here and say, can I go? And God says, I'll clean your lips and you will be my man. Why? Because he was willing. He was willing. Now, working with the Jewish people is not easy and it's hard and it's exhausting. And God knows that. So he starts off the chapter and he says, here's your job. Come for you. Cry. Say unto them, the warfare is over, your iniquity is pardoned. But then he realizes that this is going to be exhausting. And if you have natural strength because you're young, he says you can't rely on that, you'll fail as well. So he comes along and he says, in verse 26, he says, he says just remember that I'm God and that I don't grow weary. You know, God doesn't, God doesn't need 15 minutes break after two hours of work. And he doesn't need a vacation for two weeks. Because God is God. And so he, but he, but he says, if you want to, we just had a great, we had a great, you probably did too. Did you have a power outage here last week? No, you didn't have it. We had 5 million people and we had no power. And what was nice in San Diego was when there was no power is that you walk outside and you look up and you say, oh, stars. I guess you see stars here all the time. We don't see stars. <laughs> we see city lights. But, but we looked up with the stars. And you know what God says in verse 26? He says, look at the stars. Look at the stars and realize I call them all by their name. All the hosts by their name. And he says, haven't you heard that God doesn't get tired? But there's an urgency to reach the people with the gospel. And that's exhausting. There is an urgency. You know, it says in uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 27, the account of the eunuch and uh, the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. And to me, the most significant part of that account is verse 30, and that is, after the Spirit of God told Philip to go near and join himself to the chariot, it says Philip ran. He ran thither to him. He heard the call of God. He was willing to leave Jerusalem, where people, they were singing the songs of Zion on every street corner in Jerusalem. It was a great time. People were getting saved left and right. And God says, I got a job for you. You need to go down to the desert. And he didn't argue. He didn't say, but I got big crowds here. He says, no, I got one man there. I've got Israel being saved here. I have a Ethiopian eunuch there. And he went down there. In, it was, he had to get thee. He had to get thee spirit. He went. 
And when he heard God's call to this man, he didn't say, well, I don't want to talk to him. He's not Jewish. No, he ran to meet him. And the gospel spread throughout all North Africa because of that. And Philip didn't know that. He didn't know that. And when we, go, we work in Ethiopia, and in Ethiopia today, knowledge of God of Israel, of the Lord Jesus Christ, is in Ethiopia because of that man. But God knew it, and he ran there. But it could be exhausting. And sometimes we can say, like Churchill, our troubles have gotten beyond us. And you feel exhausted. You know, in Deuteronomy, when, it, when Moses was re- reminding Israel what had taken place in Deuteronomy 24, 25, he said, don't forget about Amalek. Because he said, uh, remember what Amalek did unto thee, 2517, by the way, when you were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee, by the way, and smote the hindermost part of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary. Faint and weary. And he feared not God. That's when the enemy strikes us. When we're exhausted and tired. And so what happens here is he finishes this up and he says to them, I'm going to give you a secret. And the secret is to wait on the Lord. If you neglect your quiet time with God, you are finished. You neglect it for a day, you'll have a bad day. You neglect it for a week, you'll have a bad week. You neglect it for a month, you'll have a bad month. You neglect it for a lifetime, you'll have a bad lifetime. Because because that's where we wait on God. We wait on God until we confess our weakness to him, and he breathes into us like he did to Adam in Genesis, strength. And that picture is so precious where God breathed into the nostrils of of man and he became a living soul. The breath of life and he became a living soul. And it says, and I'm just going to leave you with this. It's so precious. Psalm 96.6. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. What you will find as you wait on the Lord in your morning times with God, you're going to find strength and beauty. And that's the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ as we worship him. So I just want to challenge you that some of you here today may say, you know, it was nice for a summer, it was good for a summer, but I want it to to be my life. I want to reach the Jewish people for my life. Lord, I give, I, I hear, I hear, Isaiah's call. I understand that in uh, Romans chapter 10, when it says, how are they going to hear without a preacher? Let's talk about the Jewish people. Tom, that was a challenging message today and also a very challenging account of how God answered that woman's prayer in Miami for gospel materials for Jewish people. What comes to your mind when you think about what happened to that woman? Yeah, that was a remarkable person because She really is a lesson for us. Why is she a lesson? Because she illustrates prayer. What she said was that she was praying to God for these gospel materials for the Jewish people, and God answered her prayer. And so she really shows the truth of Jeremiah 33.3, where God says, call. That's what he says, just call. Just call. He says, call unto me. In other words, direct your prayer to God. Direct your prayer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Call unto him. And he says, if you do your part, which is to call, he said, I will do my part, which is to answer. He says, call unto me and I will answer thee. 
And he said that, hold on to your seat, fasten your seatbelt. You ain't seen nothing yet because he says, when I answer thee, he says, it will be and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know, so often when we come to God in prayer, we think we know. As a matter of fact, sometimes we start to tell God how he should do it. But you know what God says? God is actually saying here, just bring the request. Don't tell me how to do it. In other words, don't tell me that I should do it this way or do it that way because you don't know. And that's what he means when he says, which thou knowest not. And so he's saying there that if you call unto me, he's be assured that I will answer you and then keep your eyes open because the way I'm gonna answer you is gonna be exciting. It's going to be adventuresome. It's going to be something you never thought of before. I'm sure that lady, when she asked God for those gospel materials for Jewish people, was not thinking to herself that when she goes, she went to go visit her Jewish client, that on every single door that she looked at as she went down that hallway, that she would see a packet of gospel materials for Jewish people. She wasn't thinking that. That was something which she didn't know. She knew us not, but it was a great and mighty thing that God did. And that's the kind of God that we worship. We worship a God who has asked us to pray to him. In other words, call unto him. We worship a God who has promised that he will answer us, which he does. We worship a God who has said that when he does answer us, it will be with great and mighty things. And we worship a God who knows more than we do. And he says, it's going to be more than you knew. And if we have any listeners out there today that are interested in free gospel materials for Jewish people, they can call us at Israel Restoration Ministries at 1-800-247-3051. And also in today's message, you talked about prejudice towards the Messiah. How and was this prejudice manifested? Well, the prejudice is an old prejudice, unfortunately. And it's a prejudice that was, and it's a prejudice that is, and it's a prejudice that we pray will only be shortly for the future. But the prejudice that's manifested is described in Isaiah 53.3. And it's described in these words, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. That's the description of the prejudice, the old prejudice. What is a prejudice? It's a prejudice where the Lord Jesus Christ is despised like something you cast down, like something you, 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 you barely look at, and it's rejected of men. And therefore, it leaves him a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And it's Isaiah is identifying with his own people when he says, we hid, as it were, our face from him. We wouldn't even look at him. Like Isaiah started his book off by saying, by God saying, my people doth not consider won't even look at. Why? Because he says again in that verse, he was despised and we esteemed him not. It starts off by saying he is despised and it ends up by saying he was despised. And it sweeps in the whole of the Jewish people, but not all because some do turn to him and accept him as God and Savior. 
And Tom, you talked also about the adversities that these young Bible students faced as they went to the Jewish people. I'm sure that many of our listeners have faced similar situations. Now, what words of encouragement would you give them? Well, I think one of the most encouraging statements that we have in Scripture is the words that God gave to the prophet Ezekiel. The Jewish prophet Ezekiel was God's voice to the Jewish people. And in preparing him before he went out, he said, in essence, something like uh, this was their sit-down talk together, the preparation. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 6, God said to Ezekiel, And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. In other words, God sitting down with his prophet Ezekiel, he said to him, Ezekiel, they're going to say words. They're going to give you looks. They're going to look like scorpions. That's what's going to happen to you, Ezekiel. But he said, Ezekiel, my word to you is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of their words. And don't be dismayed or amazed at their looks. He said to him, because Ezekiel, you've got to understand that my people are rebellious people and I'm sending you to a rebellious people and they're gonna do to you, Ezekiel, what they have done to me and what they did to him eventually when he came and put him on a cross. But he said, Ezekiel, don't let it bother you because I am sending you. That's the great encouragement. He says, you're being sent by me, Ezekiel, and my sending, you can count on my provision to you. So Ezekiel, though they're going to try to make you afraid, though they're going to try to scare you with their words, scare you with their looks, scare you with their very persons, he says, Ezekiel, I know what it's like, and you go nevertheless. So the encouragement to us, to the Bible school students, is very simple. We're not the first ones. God told Ezekiel this, and it's going to be like this until the nation is born in a day and they receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their God and their Savior. And you also talked about not letting our deficiencies stop us from carrying God's message to the lost. What verse in the Bible supports that idea? Well, the, it's very, very interesting because what we have here is a verse in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, which was his sending. It goes along really with what was God had told to Ezekiel, but here it's Isaiah. And Isaiah says that in Isaiah 6, 8, I'll read the verse. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then, I, then said I, here am I, send me. You see, we can almost picture this scene. One person in the Godhead, whether it's God the Father, whether it's God the Son, whether it's, whether it's the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son himself, or God the Father, we don't know. 
But one person in the Godhead says, whom shall I send? And then they all, they all are joined in because this person then says, and who will go for us? Not for me, but who will go for us? In other words, but what he's saying here is he's used two words. He's used the word send and go. In other words, he's saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? Those are very important words. When God sends, that means we need to go. And so the most important thing that we can do is to just go, just go. In other words, we don't look at ourselves and say, well, I don't have, I'm not eloquent with my voice like Moses said, and that got, that was a real problem. Or we don't say, well, you know, I don't have a degree in theology. I don't know how I'm going to answer them. God says, you have what you need. You have the degree of my sending. That's it. I send you and therefore you go. And we say, he sent me, therefore I go. I don't look at myself, I look at him. What do I see when I look at him? I see that he sent me, and therefore I go. The most important thing for us is just to go because he sent us. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again next week for another exciting message from my father, Tom Cantor. Today's message, as well as previous messages, are available for download at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 1-800-247-3051 for a copy of today's message. Once again, that number is 1-800-247-3051.